0: Welcome to the Opium Den. I'm Daniel Williams. See, I take a week off and I (laughs) I screw up the intro. But anyway, it's uh, another Thursday night and I want to thank everybody who's tuning in tonight and giving me a listen here inside the Opium Den. I hope everyone had a fine Thanksgiving last week and you were able to Spend time with your loved ones, or if that's not a good thing <laughs> spending time not with your loved ones. but anyway, I think thanksgiving is a is a great holiday. It's my favorite holiday, and I hate Christmas for the most part, but I really do like Thanksgiving. Uh, my wife and I, uh, for the past uh, twenty years, we have held uh, a Thanksgiving dinner. Uh, in our home, and uh, we've had a varying size of crowds. I think the most we've had was uh, 35, and the least we had I think well, was 12. But uh, this this Thanksgiving we had uh, 27 people over to the house for uh, a pretty pretty good feast and a lot of good fun and hanging out with our friends. We had. Uh, the day before, a couple of days before, I guess we had uh, baked some uh, banana nut bread, but uh, which included a pretty good sized bud of some excellent hydroponic uh, citrus scented uh, pot. <laughs> it's you know it's about a nine and a half on a ten, but uh, we included this in uh, some banana nut bread and a few of our. Uh, Thanksgiving Day revelers uh, had a few uh, a few bites and had a had a much better time of it. Um, not everybody that comes to my house <coughs> gets high. Well, I, I shouldn't say that. They all get high to a certain extent, but uh, the most of them, uh, especially around Thanksgiving time, they're they're the boozers and the uh, the winos. So everybody gets a good buzz on. Uh, at our thanksgiving day celebration but this year we added in the, the little extra of some banana nut bread and i got to tell you it was <laughs> it was pretty good but anyway so we had a we had a great uh, a great feast my wife and i uh, the only cooking we really do is uh a turkey on the grill and then our best friends uh, from Ocala, Ron and Linda. It's Linda, Linda's brother who uh, lives in uh, Cape Coral that uh, actually does the cooking on the uh, on the grill of a turkey. That's his that's his job every year, and we are glad to let uh, old Brucey take care of that. So uh, the kitchen's always full of a lot of people. Everybody brings in their favorite dishes, and we cook some things up, and we generally have a second turkey and uh, and a ham. So we had two turkeys and a and a big ham this year. Um, lots of lots of different dishes and appetizers and uh, just a wonderful experience uh, across the board. Um, I uh, I did my best uh, to stay out of the way like I normally uh, do every year. It's what I'm told, and after twenty some odd years, I'm getting I'm getting pretty fucking good at it. So after handling some of the uh, the logistics of getting the tables set up on the line uh, on the lanai and all the chairs and uh, hand lettering all the uh, the name the name placards for uh, for the seating uh, seating chart which by the way the uh, the name cards were uh, probably the best we've had in 20 years melissa decided that uh, she wanted to decorate them a little special this year so uh, she wanted to put on down here, we'd have uh, you know oak trees with you know little acorns and stuff. So uh, each each name uh, each name tag had a a leaf and uh, at least one acorn in its cap shell uh, glued to the name tag. They were very impressive this year, uh, very nice, and uh, I thought that was uh, they were the best name tags we've had. My job is to get all the seating, uh, put everybody interesting and uh, different people together as opposed to sitting next to spouses, girlfriends or significant others. I try to mix it up and, uh, <laughs> amuse myself because I'm usually very high by the time dinner comes around. And I enjoy watching, looking down, it's one long table, you know, looking down at the other end of the table. Uh, this year was my friend Ron, uh, from Ocala. He and I occupied the, uh, end chairs, but I always enjoy uh, watching the uh, everyone interact uh, uh, during dinner, and it's uh, just a lot of fun for me. So like I said, I, uh, I, I stay out of the way for the most part, and do my little jobs that Melissa gives to me uh, a few days beforehand, and name tags and things like that. So I got up Thursday morning and promptly ate uh, the biggest piece of uh, banana nut bread we had, and I got to tell you that the actual, you know, dose for for our partiers that aren't usually uh, that usually sm- uh, don't smoke that much and tend to drink more, about a quarter, one one fourth of a slice was was enough to get their uh, <laughs> get their giggles going. But uh, I ate a whole piece when I got up in the morning just to get in the proper proper frame of mind and. Uh, then maybe about an hour before dinner ate a second piece so I had a glorious buzz the entire day lots of fun uh, and as we have almost every year uh, at least one new person uh, comes on board uh, to the party and we have uh, we have fun celebrating and toasting them and and all in all it was a very uh, a very very wonderful day lots of fun uh, weather report is short and brief. Uh, actually, it's, not, uh, it's a little, uh, little longer than normal. We've had uh, tornado warnings, which never really materialized. But we did get a, a fairly decent soak, and it was kind of an overcast, uh, kind of gray kind of day that if we were up north in Ohio, you would swear it was about to snow and it would be depressing. But for us, uh, the occasional cloudy day is a welcome relief. But um, our weather is scheduled tomorrow to be back in the the uh, beautiful uh, winter tropical weather that we uh, that we have come to love down here in uh, Bonita Springs, Florida. So um, Bahama, she dealt with uh, with the storm today really well. There was no thunder, no lightning, no huge change in barometrics. So she did not need to have a doggy downer, which was good because we couldn't have given her one anyway. She's just finishing up her her medication uh, after her uh, ear surgery that I that I talked to uh, talked to you about a couple of days or a couple of weeks, a couple of shows ago, and she's uh, recovering quite nicely. Um, she's not in the studio tonight. Uh, she's in the other part of the of the studio with uh, with Melissa. I think they're uh, reading or something like that. But anyway, Bahamas doing great. She gets her stitches out uh, next Thursday, and it looks like the uh, the operation was a success. So for all of you out there who uh, who have pets and know and have pets and love them like uh, like we do, uh, Bahamas doing well, and I want to thank everybody for their. Well wishes uh, via email and Facebook for a Bahama, and uh, there you have it. So there's there's our <laughs> unusual uh, opening as we as we move into our topics this evening. And I, I got a couple of topics that I want to that I want to talk about, and uh, again, we uh, we welcome all listeners inside the Opium Den to give us a call. Our number here is 727-493-2205. Or if you're a, uh, a Skype user, my Skype ID is The New Libertarian. That's The New Libertarian. You can call me uh, over Skype or you can give us a call directly into the studio, 727-493-2205. Two two zero five. Share with us anything you would like. Ask us a question. Tell us how your Thanksgiving Day dinner went. We'll talk about anything. Or if you want to comment or opine on the uh, the subjects tonight, uh, please please feel free to give us a call. We always enjoy it when the listeners call in. So here's uh, here's what I've been thinking about in uh, in the past uh, past few days. It was spurned on by the fact that uh, today uh, Senator Jim Webb's bill, the National Criminal Justice Commission Act of 2009, uh, was debated uh, in Congress. Although I couldn't uh, couldn't find it anywhere on C-SPAN today, which uh, didn't really surprise me. But it would have been nice to have the opportunity. <clears throat> Excuse me. It would have been nice to have the opportunity to uh, to watch the debate uh, over this over this bill, although it's been watered down to the point where it's uh, probably uh, more insignificant than uh, than significant. But uh, that's what prompted me to 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 think about uh, today's tonight's one of tonight's subjects. And that's. Uh, um what uh, one of the problems, as you know, if you're listening to the to the show, you know that I'm no fan of uh, medical marijuana as a strategy to move the drug debate forward. Now you obviously know. I'm hoping that you obviously know that I'm a huge fan of medical marijuana. I believe it's a very uh, it's a very important and uh, and effective drug for many ailments, both. Uh, critical and debilitating as well as, um, not so critical and debilitating stress, uh, inability to sleep. A lot of the different reasons that people are getting recommendations for medical marijuana. So I don't want to get any more, any more comments about I'm an asshole because I think medical marijuana, medical marijuana is a bad idea, not a bad idea, bad strategy. There is a difference, but, um, What, uh, what I want to, what I want to talk about this evening is this little, uh, love fest between our drug policy reform leaders and our elected officials. And by, uh, love fest, I mean pretty much just that our leaders in drug policy reform, uh, prattle on about how they have access to members of Congress and, uh, Access gives them the ear of our congressional members, but in reality, most of the ears they speak into are those of uh, members' staff. Uh, not that often do they actually get the full access and are able to speak to the congressional members. But they are. But they they tout this. They, they tout this access as very important to uh, the progress of drug policy reform and uh i think that has uh that has made that has distorted distorted our mission and has actually made us uh made our case weaker i think our our drug policy reform leaders are uh as enamored with access as much as they are with success just by virtue of the fact that they can get these meetings and get inside these Congressional offices to talk to staff members or possibly the, the congressional member themselves. Uh, they've begun to to look at this access, this ability to get in and make their case. They're looking at that as, as success when really the success would be what has their access been able to gain the drug policy reform movement. And after uh, 13 years, we have Thirteen, maybe fourteen states uh, I you see this number cited I, I think it 's thirteen, but we 've got some uh, one or two coming online in all this time uh, the uh, the thirteen states that we have that uh, that have medical marijuana laws on the books uh, is not considered uh, i don 't consider that a lot of progress if that 's what our access has been able to buy us, then I believe. Um, we should tell we should just let the access go. Uh, it's no longer uh, productive, in my opinion, for our drug policy reform leaders to cozy up to uh, congressional members with the but uh, the vain hope that we will be able to convince them to speak publicly what they speak to our policy reform leaders in private. I've been told by a number of our leaders that when they get these congressional members or more often than not their staff members, they, we are told that, yeah, you, know, we're behind you on this. We think you know, drug war is wrong. I mean, holy Jesus, how do we get ourselves into this mess? We're behind you. Keep, up, keep working out there. You know, convince the American public to, to convince us that it's the right thing to do. And that's what they tell all the drug policy reform leaders in private. But when it comes time to publicly live up to their, uh, to, to their convictions, our politicians turn into uh, little, little weenies and weasels because they won't speak up. And the idea that there's no support out in the electorate for changing drug policy is no longer a valid argument. There is a significant amount of desire for change in America when it comes to our drug policies and these drug policy uh reform leaders have yet to uh but have yet to be able to convince our politicians that this support does exist. So they get access to these congressional members and uh they're really giving nothing but uh verbal blowjobs very much like uh the Bush administration gave to the religious right for eight years. Uh, they promised them all of these things, got their money, got their vote, and didn't do squat. And uh, even though President Obama has only been in office for nine months or whatever, and I don't, you know, buy into that shit, he certainly has not given any indication that uh, uh, any significant progress on drug policy reform will happen in his first term, and he he's intimated to. All of those drug policy reform leaders and all of their access, he's intimated that this is a second-term deal. We'll, we'll get this fucker fixed in my second term. Well, the only flaw in that uh, in that thinking is that uh, the assumption is made that uh, Barack Obama will get a second term. I'm not so sure that's the case anymore. I believe that uh, uh, Barack Obama is going to have to get a lot smarter and a lot luckier and a lot more in tune with the American electric. The, uh, with the American electorate, electorate. <laughs> smoke another bowl, Danny. With the American electorate, and uh, or oh, he's not going to get elected to a second term. I think it's quite possible that if things don't uh, don't substantially uh, change for him in the uh, policy and luck department, I think uh, I think Hillary Clinton uh, will challenge him in uh, 2012. And if not, if it's not Hillary. I do believe that Barack Obama will be challenged from within, within its own party. There may be a purge of the Democrats, just as there is an ongoing purge of Republicans. There, The Republicans have this 10-point lit, litmus test that if you can't, uh, can't agree with 7 out of the 10 points, then uh, you're not really a Republican and uh, you can get the fuck out. Um, an interesting article the other day about this 10-point list in the Wall Street Journal said that uh, uh, Ronald Reagan would have only gotten five out of the ten, so you know, fuck Reagan. That's their that's their big hero anyway. But anyway, perhaps we'll have a, the same purge in the uh, in the uh, in the Democrats. If you're not liberal enough, you'll be thrown under the bus, just like moderate Republicans are being thrown under the under the bus by their ideological leaders who. <laughs> surprise! Surprise! Are embodied by Sarah Palin and uh, Rush Limbaugh. I mean, you know, I'll digress a bit. Rush Limbaugh's a bright guy. I don't agree with him very often, if if at all. Although I did defend him uh, in my book, The Naked Truth About Drugs. I did defend his his uh, rampant opiate addiction for a number of years. I mean, I didn't support his spouting off in theories about you know, drug users, but, you know, I thought it was pretty, pretty clever that he was a stone cold opiate addict for a couple of years and nobody, nobody knew, nobody could tell that Rush Limbaugh's, you know, wittiness and winning ways on the radio stemmed and flowed from a brain soaked in opiates. I thought it was just a marvelous display that he was uh, he was such a stone cold junkie. He was taking twenty, thirty, you know, Vicodins, Percocets, Oxycontins a day. You know, that's about one prescription a day, and he did so for a couple of years, and nobody knew that he was that he was a junkie. I thought it was a wonderful performance, and it certainly uh, blew up the stereotypical view of uh, of junkies. But anyway, Sarah Palin and uh, and he seemed to be behind the purge in the Republicans. So Barack Obama may not make it into a second term, and the point is. Drug policy reform leaders should not uh, count on that. So what I think, uh, what I think is important um, for drug policy reform leaders and for all of us in general in the movement, is to quit sucking up to these uh, to these congressional members. It certainly isn't getting the job done. So instead of sucking them up, I think we should call them out. I think we should take them and in the public arena force them. Force them to defend their votes that they have cast, you know, year after year, numerous times. Uh, that these votes continue to support uh, drug prohibition. Why do they do that? Uh, why do they continue to vote for policies that that allow unfettered access uh, by our children, you know, the children that they're trying to protect? Unfettered access to drugs. There's no uh, legal uh, legal age for them to uh, to consume these substances like we have for alcohol and and tobacco. So why why do they continue to vote for laws and support laws that keep uh, drugs drug manufacturing and drug distribution in the hands of uh, criminal cartels in South America, Mexico, and our homegrown? crazies here in the United States? Why do they continue to support policies that keep the black market in the control of these individuals and not put it into the control of uh, pharmacists behind the counter in uh, your local CVS and Walgreens. So instead of cozying up to these, uh, to these losers and assholes, let's start calling them out. Let's start and make these politicians Defend the indefensible. Have them, uh, defend their, their, uh, their votes on drug legislation. Have them, uh, explain in, in, uh, in uncharacteristic candor, uh, why they believe drugs should remain illegal and available to literally everyone at any time on, in any city in the United States. Make them, uh, Make them defend these votes instead of, instead of cuddling up with them in their cozy little congressional offices and, you know, taking verbal blowjob after verbal blowjob from them. Uh, let's change our tactics and let's start smacking them around uh, metaphorically, I would say, as opposed to literally. I don't want the feds coming through my windows, but uh, you know what I'm saying. Let's uh, let's start uh, whacking them. If they're not going to play, uh, if they're not going to play with us, then screw it. They've been they've declared war on us for for over 40 years, ever since Nixon uh, back in the late 60s and and 70s decided that this was going to be a war that we would wage. They have been waging it uh, relentlessly uh, against us, uh, against the same people. You know, it's like. It's like being being in a prison and walking into the warden and say, "Oh, warden, you know, please, I'll do anything. You know, just just let me have a couple extra, you know, library passes or something." We are going to to our captors. We are going to uh, those who hunt us down for a living. We are going to them, and we are trying to get them to change their mind on those tactics, and it is not working. You know, it just is not working. So I think it's time. If they want a goddamn fight, it's time to take the fight to them. Quit sucking up, Ethan, all you guys out there in drug policy, leading drug policy reform, quit sucking up to these congress these congressional members. Quit quit believing in the in the pixie dust that that Obama is sprinkling into you into your face and eyes. It's just not happening. You're you're falling prey to the oldest trick in the book. You know they're telling you everything you want to hear, but doing nothing that you want to have done. So to Ethan Nadelman and Alan Saint Pierre and Rob Campia and others out there uh, in the drug policy reform movement, uh, quit sucking up to our congressional leaders. Uh, quit trying to to convince them with sound arguments. They don't have a sound reason why. Drug prohibition remains the law of the land, so you know, quit trying to deal with them in a, in a manner in which they're not accustomed. Uh, they've declared war on us. I think it is time to declare war on them. Every single congressional member has voted to continue to support these draconian drug policies, so they should be called out on the carpet, every single one of them. Fuck cozying up. It's time to get down and get down and dirty. You'll sacrifice your access, and it might be a little hard at first. But at the end of the day, when the when the media gives you more attention for being combative as opposed to uh, a reincarnation of Neville Chamberlain, uh, when we get that that media attention for uh, changing course and getting angry. At the end of the day, that access won't be nearly as important as the gratification that we will get from seeing these politicians uh, trying to defend the indefensible. That, in my opinion, is how we can move this debate forward. What we're doing now is not working. It is not working. And if you think it is, give me a call, 727 493 Two two zero five and defend your position. I'd be interested in uh, in the call. Um. My other my other topic this evening that I'd like to uh, I'd like to talk about. Um. There's an organization and I'm not sure how many uh, of my listeners out there have heard of it, but it's called Damn Mad. D a m m a d. Excuse me, and it stands for Dads and Mad Moms Against Drug Dealers. Damn mad! Uh, the organization is run by a gentleman of the name of Steve Steiner, and uh, I really don't want to, you know, speak too. Uh, unkindly about uh, Steve because he did lose a child to to a drug overdose, accidental drug overdose, but still he's one of the people out there that, uh, that just don't understand uh, how the whole situation works. And it is his grief of losing a son that has made him an outspoken critic of uh, marijuana legalization. Um, We'll get to the fact why you know marijuana legalization should be an issue for a man whose son died of an opiate uh overdose but uh will we'll, we'll talk about that um so steve steiner started damn mad d a m m a d google it up if you're not familiar with it and um read their mission statement and the like now uh there hasn't been any posting on their uh on their webpage for a while, but I'd like to thank uh, thank my friend uh, Pete Geither from uh, Drug War Rant Drug War Rant. I keep fucking that up. Uh, it's Drug War Rant dot com. Pete Geither, he brought that uh, subject of Steve Steiner and Dan Matt up uh, in his uh, blog post today, and uh, so I want to send out my props to Pete for. Uh, for bringing that uh, information to the, to his uh, many many listeners, so the Steve Steiner guy, um, uh, because of uh, the his son, which there aren't that many details of as far as you know the relationship between father and son, and the relate you know how the son was dealing with his own uh, peer uh, peer world, but apparently his son. Uh, uh, Steve Steiner Jr. Uh, died after, after snorting up, uh, crushed up Oxycontin. So Steve Steiner has, done, has done a one-man mission to, to keep our children safe from drugs. Now, the irony is that uh, Mr. Steiner doesn't see the connection between drug prohibition and his son uh, dying from a drug overdose. Uh, so he's so it's uh, dads and mad moms against uh, drug dealers he wants to catch he wants to put behind bars all the dealers out there uh, who are responsible not only for the death of his son but for the uh, misery and, and uh, that for the misery that, that, that drugs cause he believes that drug prohibition is the answer as opposed to the problem um one of the one of the the, the most more distressing uh, aspects of damn mad is that they have uh, they have a hotline set up an anonymous hotline set up on their website that allows individuals to anonymously narc out uh, boyfriends girlfriends somebody they're mad at whatever you can anonymously leave a tip that will get to the uh, the proper law enforcement agency about someone who's dealing drugs, importing drugs, transporting drugs, selling drugs, whatever the fuck it is concerned with drugs, uh, you can go to the Damn Mad website and uh, narc them out. Now, one of the many flaws in, uh, in Steve's thinking here is that everybody who calls in to leave a tip He's going to be an honest broker in the situation and not uh, a girlfriend who's mad at her boyfriend or a boyfriend who's mad at her girlfriend or a husband mad at his wife or whatever just calls up to say, you know, well, fuck that son of a bitch. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to call in and say he's dealing drugs. So Steve Steiner makes that uh, uh, very, uh, very easy to do by uh, by visiting his website. So uh, what I what I did today, actually, I did it, yeah, I did it yesterday was I went and uh, I became a fan of Damn Mad on the uh, on Facebook. And I recommend all of my listeners do the same uh, and post post comments that one, you know, are full of common sense and truth to combat the crap. That Steve and his uh, his followers put out on uh, on their Facebook page. Again, uh, I, I I have uh, sympathies and empathy for Steve's loss. No one wants to lose a child. That's not the way nature intends things. You know, we're supposed to die and make our kids miserable, as opposed to our kids dying and making us uh, just terribly, uh, consumed with, with grief. So Steve believes that, um, we're just not doing enough to, to stop all these drug dealers, but he doesn't, he doesn't, he's not connecting all the dots. He's not understanding that drug prohibition was probably as much responsible for his son's death as his son was. And again, we don't know all of the details of Steve Steiner Jr.'s uh, death, but uh, Steve Steiner senior uh, doesn't seem to understand the connection between drug prohibition and the uh, the causes or the what led up to the causes led up to his uh, to the death of his son. I'm not saying that in a re- in a legal and regulated market uh, his son would not have had a, a drug overdose that's hard to say, but to believe to, to blame drug dealers for his son's death. Uh, is is woefully uh, simplistic and he believes that we must have a drug free society because in a drug free society his son would still be alive and we know that that is uh probably not a good connection between point a and point b so i do uh, I, would, I would like to have uh, to have all of uh, all of you listening out there to check out, damn mad, and fight back against the the misinformation, the sensationalism, and not try to. I mean, I, you can try to reason with them if you want, but uh, it's hard to reason with the unreasonable. It's best just to grab them by the lapels and you know try to <laughs> shake some fucking sense into them, as opposed to trying to debate them uh, on the merits. And even if there is no, uh, even if you make no progress with these individuals, whether they be Steve Steiner of Damn Mad or, you know, your your congressperson or senator, even if you do not make any headway, you can walk away knowing that you have challenged authority, you have challenged the abuse of the legislative process, and that you have put your... Congress member or your Steve Steiners or any of the prohibitionists out there, the Calvina phase from the partnership for drug for America, you can feel good that you, have, that you have challenged them. You have stood up and, 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 and looked them in the eye and, and said, you're fuck crazy. Or maybe you might not have said that, but you know, again, sometimes logic just doesn't work. Uh, intimidation isn't a bad tactic. I mean, that's what they've been doing to us, and have made us timid and scared to to speak up. So, so take these people on. Don't don't sit back passively and think. You know, just look at them and shake your head and go, "You're a fucking moron." Put those thoughts into action. You know, confront these people and and tell them. Don't think it. Tell them. Tell them they're fucking morons. Tell them that they're that they're as much a part of the problem as as the solution confront these prohibitionists, laugh at them call them crazy do whatever you have to do short of physical violence to make them understand that we are not going to take it anymore and that that they are fucking crazy if they want to continue to maintain drug prohibition then they need to uh, become a lot better with with their arguments. You find that like you know, growing up in school, you're out on the playground, and the in the schoolyard bully comes over and demands that you give him your lunch money, and you do. But one day you decide that you know, fuck, I'm not going to give you my lunch money anymore, and I'm going to tell him to take it from me, or I'm just going to sucker punch him, whatever. You stand up to the bullies. You stand up to those who try to intimidate. You stand up to them and do not let them have their way with you. And when you tell the bully that you're not going to give him your lunch money or you you just smack him upside the head, sucker punch him, he will get the message. And you can damn well bet that tomorrow on the recess, out on the playground, he's not going to be coming to your ass. He's going to be coming, he's going to be going to somebody else's. And he may not have quite the same, the same swagger as he had with you, knowing that most everybody knows that the day before you took him to task, either verbally or physically and shut him down. We need to stand up to bullies and everybody in, in drug prohibition, um, is a bully. Um, or everybody in Congress, everybody, uh, all of our House of Representative members, all of, our, all of our senators, our president, our vice president, they are all bullies when it comes to drug prohibition. And we need to uh, stand up to them as opposed to uh, cozying up to them and uh, trying to deal with them rationally and, uh, and reasonably. Uh, they've not been dealing with us rationally or reasonably for the past 40 years. And I think uh, we can look at our progress as it 's gone so far in the past forty years on our side and realize that our tactics have not been working uh, you don 't uh, you don 't go along to get along in uh, in this business. you have to stand up and you have to fight, and we are not fighting we are we are a we are like Neville Chamberlain who was appeasing to Hitler, thinking, well, you know, if we go over there and make nice and blow him, then he's not going to come over and blow us up. Well, that didn't work out, and appeasement uh, never does, and uh, we should not, uh, not employ it as a tactic anymore with our uh, elected politicians when it comes to the issue of drug prohibition. You know, and we need, we need to quit going to their offices and start going to the newspapers and the editorial writers and the staff of uh, of polit- of political blogs and and say, you know what? Fuck these guys. We're tired of it. If Nathan if Ethan Nadelman came out tomorrow, the, the executive director of Drug Policy Alliance, if, if Ethan Nadelman came out tomorrow and was severely critical of Barack Obama and the manner in which he is failed to live up to his uh, campaign promises. If Ethan Nadelman took Barack Obama to task, he would get a whole lot more, a whole lot more press than he's getting now. And I, and I, I've reminded of you of this before, but I'll remind you of this again. If we were more aggressive, like the, uh, the gay and lesbian community out there, we would be getting better results, uh, President Obama spoke at uh, at, a, at a big shindig for the uh, gay and lesbian movement, um, and before he spoke they were critical of him, and after he spoke they were critical of him. The reason that he speaks with them is that they are critical of him. They, we have not had uh, uh, Barack Obama speak at any drug policy conferences, he didn't go to the big shindig out in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Uh, towards the end of last month. Uh, he's not doing that because we are complacent. We walk in and we go, geez, thanks a lot. Boy, you guys are so cool. Thanks for helping us. This is a hard old slog, blah, 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 blah. And we walk away humbled and and uh, excited because we were able to, to gain access to these offices. If we were to take Barack Obama to task and all the other politicians who continue to vote these policies and keep them part of our our draconian drug laws, our drug policies. Uh, if if we continue to try to curry favor, we're going to get nothing. We need to start calling them out. We need to 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 tell Barack Obama that we are not happy. We need to tell him that the Holder memo stopping the DEA uh, interference in in the medical in states with medical marijuana was no big fucking deal. You know, all he did it was just a recognition of of states of state laws and the and the will of the voters of those states, we have to quit giving Barack Obama a pass. I mean, Jesus Christ! If anybody out there, in the, if any of my listeners out there, still believe that Barack Obama is on our side, you need to quit drinking the bong water because it is not true. He does not give a fuck. We in 2009, we will have a record number of drug arrests in this country. A record number. And this is from a president who enjoyed smoking pot and snorting cocaine back in his you know bad boy days before he met Michelle or wherever the fuck it was. He will arrest more people this year than any other president in history. So fuck Barack Obama. Fuck Joe Biden and fuck every member of Congress for continuing to pursue and prosecute the war on drugs. It is time to clearly draw a line in the sand. We're done, you're fucked, and we're gonna do everything we can to make you miserable and uncomfortable and force you to defend indefensible, which is your continued support for these draconian drug policies. It ain't working anymore. And it's time. I mean, if it's a fucking war, let's fight. You know, we didn't call it a war. They called it a war. And as long as we continue to be more like Neville Chamberlain, then uh, I hate to use this reference because it's no longer that applicable, but the Terminator, if we're going to be more Neville Chamberlain and less Unless ass-kicking Terminator, then we, we deserve the, the butt-fucking that we're getting from our political class. It's time to fight, and it's time to quit cozying up to the politicians for access but no action. So those are my two, two subjects for this evening damn mad i'm I, i'm damn mad <laughs> i'm damn mad at damn mad that i'm damn mad at the drug policy reform leaders for the, continuing this uh, course of action that uh, is getting getting us fucking nowhere so if you want to comment on that uh, give us a call 727-493-2205 or you can uh, call me on the Skype machine our Skype ID is the new libertarian well, I wanted to uh, to round out the hour this evening. Uh, the past uh, the past two shows, I've not been able to. Uh, uh, I've not been able to um, do our cops on drugs segment, and I apologize to to my listeners out there because everybody likes that one. And it's just that uh, things ran a little long in the past two shows, and I kept sticking uh, quarters and into the wave streaming machine, so. I only have a certain amount of, of time that I run these uh, run these little shows, so let's get right into our uh, cops on drugs. As everybody knows, these are uh, members of uh, of our men and women in blue who uh, decide that uh, getting involved in the drug business um, is a <laughs> at least at the time they think it's a it's a good idea. So we're going to start. Uh, we're going to start tonight in uh, in my state. Of course, we're going to go up north and to the east uh, to St. Augustine, Florida, where uh, St. John's County Sheriff's Office. Uh, were an evidence tech, an in, in evidence tech. Well, fuck. Uh, he was fired and arrested uh, this past week for stealing drugs. Um, I guess not really. A cop per se, but uh, an evidence tech, certainly uh, a civil servant, by the name of Paul Robinson, 38 year old. 38 years old. Um, he was taken down after a departmental supervisor uh, began investigating uh, Paul's paperwork, and uh, he was told that uh, they were pretty sure he was taking home uh, pain relievers, oxycodone, and Vicodin from the evidence department for his personal use. So, uh, Mr. Paul Robinson up in St. John's County in St. Augustine, Florida, uh, bad on you, boy. And, uh, you've been charged with grand theft and official misconduct. And, uh, let's hope that, let's hope that, yeah, you don't, uh, you, you, you're not, you're not get you don't get off lightly for this, uh, for this transgression. Now uh, we'll go a little bit, a uh, little bit north uh, of St. Augustine. We're going to go up to uh, Whiteville, North Carolina, where a local police officer was arrested this past Monday on uh, drug trafficking charges. Uh, this police officer's name is Gregory Campbell, and uh, Gregory is 40 years old, prime of his life, and uh, this former police officer is accused of breaking into a fair bluff discount drugs i guess that's a drugstore up in uh, whiteville north carolina but he was charged with breaking into this drugstore and uh guess what he was stealing prescription opiates now who would have thunk that uh, that's the drug he had been after breaking breaking into a, a drugstore but anyway um Gregory Campbell uh, st- was stealing Vicodin's Oxycontin, Percocet, you know, the opiates. And he's charged with burglary, larceny of opium based prescription medications. I mean, what kind of fucking charge is that? Larceny of opium based prescription medication, plus three counts of drug trafficking and possession with intent to distribute the drugs. So he was not only stealing for his own. Purposes, he was stealing quantities so that he could sell them on the street. Um, now, previous this is here again. Uh, thanks to our friends that uh, stopped the drug war, but previous to uh, to his arrest, he was a Tabor City police officer uh, for just a few months. Uh, where he resigned to join the Fair Bluff Police Department there in Whiteville, North Carolina. Now, May, June, july I mean, the guy, five months he was a police officer and then he resigned to join the Fair Bluff Police Department. Maybe he realized that up in Fair Bluff he would have a greater opportunity to steal his medicine from the uh, from the evidence locker. Uh, Be that as it may, uh, he was fired from that gig. And, uh, he was arrested Monday and it's not, uh, it's not uh, listed here as to when, um, officer Gregory Campbell will be, uh, hauled in front of the judge. But let's hope that, uh, for, uh, breaking into, uh, Fair Bluff discount drugs that Gregory Campbell is prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law, goes to jail and gets, uh, Bubba as his uh, jail bunk mate, <laughs> because if that's if that's the case, old uh, Gregory he's going to need them uh, them pain medications because uh... <laughs> well just because. All right, we're going to finish up with uh, with one more uh, cops on drugs story, and we're going up to the city of brotherly love in uh, Philadelphia, Philadelphia freedom. Up in Philadelphia, a former police officer was sentenced. Oh, this guy is going to jail. He was sentenced Monday to 30 years in a federal prison for an attempted, just an attempted home invasion rob- robbery in uh, Pottstown, uh, a suburb of, of Pennsylvania, uh, in which was he was trying to rob a major Philadelphia drug dealer. Okay. Uh, this uh, this crooked cop's name was Malik Snell, M-A-L-I-K, Malik Snell, uh, 37 years old. He'll be 67 when he gets out of prison, and he'll be carrying a bathtub around with him so he can shit in it without spilling, because I think that 30 years of getting hammered up the backside uh, in, federal pen- <laughs> in a federal prison will make Mr. Snell, uh, well, we don't know what it's going to make him, but <laughs> he's going to go. To, he's going to come out with a lot bigger asshole than he went in with. Uh, so he was convicted uh, in June, and he has just now been uh, been sentenced. So convicted in June takes um, almost six. <clears throat> excuse me. Takes almost six months before he is uh, sentenced to uh, federal prison. But this is a biggie uh thirty years in prison for an attempted home invasion robbery and okay, and the robbery of a major Philadelphia drug dealer. So uh Mr uh Mr. Snell, thirty seven years old, uh from Philadelphia, is going to the big house for thirty years. Now he may get uh he may get out with good behavior, yeah. and that depends upon what that behavior would be. Or he may not make it through his first year. He may get uh, they may find him uh, dead in a uh, in an industrial dryer in the uh, in the laundry room. Uh, cops don't do well in prison. I've been told they, they they just don't do well. They may do a little bit better than uh, than child molesters, but not a whole lot. Not a whole lot better. So uh, good luck, uh, Malik. Uh, good luck in uh, federal prison. And uh, <laughs> don't drop the soap, my friend. Don't drop the soap. So there we have it, another, another week of the, uh, of the Opium Den. I want to thank everyone for, for tuning in. Uh, all of you uh, who wanted to call and didn't, let's, let's, let's try to get our, our courage up uh, next week. Because we have a uh, a special guest uh, coming inside the Opium Den next week, and her name is Jody James. And uh, Jody is a drug policy activist here in Florida, trying to uh, get some positive traction here in Florida. She is an alumnus of uh, Law Enforcement Against Prohibition, and she's been involved in uh, drug policy work for a number of years. So we look forward to our uh, to our conversation uh, next Thursday night with Jody. I hope you uh, I hope you can join us once again, and uh, thanks for tuning in tonight. And as we are, we are wont to do at the end of the show, we uh, we leave you with the motto. here are inside the opium den, and that motto is. When good people obey bad law, bad law never changes. Good night.